Good afternoon, and welcome to Outer Cape News on WOMR. My name is Matthew Dunn. This is your update on what's happening on the Lower and Outer Cape, drawing on stories reported in the pages of the Provincetown Independent, the Cape Cod Chronicle, and the Cape Cod Times. In this week's edition, Beth Dunn has the story about the potential appointment of an interim town administrator in Wellfleet. We've got several stories to help you get ready for the spring town meeting and town election season. And Ira Wood is here with a matter of opinion about strangers in a strange land. With spring town meeting season just around the corner, leaders in Wellfleet this week faced the urgent task of finding a new town administrator. The urgency of the situation increased two weeks ago when Assistant Town Administrator Silvio Gineo announced that he would resign rather than take the job. The series of events was set in motion when Rich Waldo submitted his resignation letter to the select board at the end of December. At their meeting this week, the select board voted to appoint Tom Garino as interim town administrator. Garino is currently the director of the Greenfield Housing Authority and previously served 14 years as the town administrator in Bourne. After interviews with four candidates, the board narrowed the choice to Garino or former Wellfleet town administrator Harry Turkanian. Chair Barbara Carboni and Vice Chair John Wolfe wanted Turkanian. Members Michael DeVasto, Ryan Curley, and Tim Sayre favored Garino. Waldo's last day at Town Hall is February 9th, and Gineo will leave on February 15th. Waldo had been Wellfleet's administrator for 18 months. Gineo had been in place for only three months. Both cited disharmony with the select board and job stress as their reasons for resigning. During Garino's interview with the board, he said he hoped his tenure as interim town administrator would last a year. Select board members deliberated on whether a year-long contract would violate the town charter, which stipulates that the appointment of an interim town administrator cannot exceed 90 days, but can be renewed. The board ultimately voted to appoint Garino as interim administrator, subject to successful contract negotiations, and to appoint Turkanian as interim if contract negotiations with Garino fail. Carboni told the Provincetown Independent that the town is in the process of hiring a recruiting consultant to help search for a permanent town administrator. The board will also appoint citizens to a screening committee that will interview candidates for the position. The board does not have a deadline for hiring a permanent town administrator. In other news from Wellfleet Town Government, conservation agent Beth Piles submitted her resignation on Tuesday, January 23rd, according to town administrator Rich Waldo. She started her job three months ago, on November 6th. Her resignation is effective immediately, Waldo said. Waldo declined to comment further on the resignation, and Piles did not respond to a request for comment before the independence deadline on Tuesday. And the Wellfleet Housing Authority is seeking residents to run for an open seat on the board. The candidates for the five-year position will be on the ballot at the annual town election on April 29th. Nomination papers can be taken out at town hall and must be submitted by March 11th. The Housing Authority meets once a month to advance housing efforts, including the residences at Lawrence Hill and Maurice's Campground. 
The board oversees grants to first-time homebuyers and a rental assistance program. They work with the Homeless Prevention Council and the Community Development Partnership, which provide part-time housing specialist services to the committee. Just two weeks after State Representative Sarah Peake announced that she would not seek re-election to her long-held post, interest in the soon-to-be-vacated seat is heating up. First elected in 2006, Peake is currently in her ninth term, representing the 4th Barnstable District, which stretches from Harwich to Provincetown. A leader both within the Cape delegation and at the State House, Peake has strongly advocated for issues including marriage equality, legalized abortion, gun safety, and climate change, among others. Michael Herman, the current chair of the Orleans Select Board, said Tuesday that he will take out nomination papers to run for the seat. A local farmer, Herman was first elected in November 2021 and also serves on the town's Affordable Housing Trust Fund Board. Orleans is working to solve a number of local issues, among them wastewater and the need for housing. Herman said he sees opportunities to address those issues at the state level. If elected, Herman would still be able to serve on the select board, although he said he would do whatever the select board felt was best. Also considering a run for peak seat is Chatham Select Board member Shireen Davis, who was elected to her third term on the board in May. Davis said she hasn't yet committed to joining the race, but she would make a decision in the next couple of weeks. Barnstable County Commissioner Sheila Lyons is also very seriously weighing the possibility of running, she said earlier this week. Lyons is also a member of the WOMR Board of Directors. A Wellfleet resident, Lyons is in the final year of her current four-year term on the Board of Commissioners. It's her second stint on the board, having previously served consecutive four-year terms. Prior to that, she served on the Barnstable County Assembly of Delegates. Lyons said her experience at the county level would set her up for success as a state representative. From wastewater to housing, transportation and environmental issues, she said she understands the needs of the district and Cape Cod as a whole. Nomination papers for the seat are available from the Secretary of the Commonwealth beginning February 13th. Completed papers with 150 signatures from district residents must be returned to local town clerk offices for certification by April 30th. At least three challengers plan to run for the two select board seats on Truro's May 14th ballot this year. Susan Gerard Irwin, Kevin Grunwald, and Nancy Medoff. Truro Select Board member John Dundas and Chair Kristen Reed both said they are still deciding whether to run for re-election. Nomination papers are due to the town clerk on March 26th. Grunwald is chair of the Truro Housing Authority, a member of the Board of the Council on Aging, and the town's representative to the Cape Cod Commission. Grunwald worked as a social worker for more than 40 years with a focus on mediation, which he said will help him calm the clashes in town politics. Medoff is chair of the Charter Review Committee, vice chair of the Economic Development Committee, and a member of the Zoning Board of Appeals. She said her 30 years in the corporate world have equipped her to lead the town forward with a combination of leadership, communication, and strategic thinking. Medoff is one of the three remaining voters in town whose registration has been challenged, with a hearing to take place in the coming weeks. 
Gerard Irwin is co-chair of the Open Space Committee, vice chair of the Council on Aging Board, and the Open Space Committee's representative on the Community Preservation Committee. Moving to news from Provincetown, the Select Board is considering two zoning amendments that it wants to bring to town meeting voters this spring. One that would allow more two- and three-family homes around town, and another that would give priority development rights to new units that would be for year-round rentals or the primary residences of owner-occupants. Select Board member Austin Miller wrote the amendments and presented them at the Select Board's January 23rd meeting. Miller's First Amendment would change the bylaw to allow two-family homes to be built by right in the Residential 1 and Residential 2 districts. Miller's Amendment would also allow more three- and four-family dwellings in some districts. A second zoning amendment proposed by Miller would allow the town to offer allocations of the town's limited freshwater resources specifically to new year-round rentals or owner-occupied primary residences. Select Board Member Leslie Sandberg and Chair Dave Abramson said they supported the amendments, while Member Eric Borg said he wanted to upzone the Residential 1 district even further. The board did not vote directly on Miller's amendments, however. Instead, according to the protocol, the board referred them to the planning board for review. At its meeting two days later, the planning board discussed the issue with town planner Thaddeus Soule, but did not make any decisions. Instead, the matter will be a topic at the next housing workshop. Planning board member Jeff Mulliken said he wanted to hear from the select board directly as to why they think the changes to the zoning bylaws are a good idea. At its meeting on February 12th, the Provincetown Select Board is set to hear a presentation from town staff and the board members of the Provincetown Public Peer Corporation on a plan to dissolve that independent body and have Macmillan Peer be run by town government. The peer is owned by the town, but the peer corporation was established as a separate public entity to help ensure attentive management. It was created by the Commonwealth for the purpose of bringing sound and market-based management practices to Macmillan Pier operations, according to the Enabling Act of 2000 that established it. Members of the Pier Corporation and town staff now feel that the Pier is well-organized and can be run successfully by the Department of Public Works, with its revenues going into an enterprise fund. In a policy rolled out this week, people over the age of 60 and people with disabilities can now ride the Cape Cod Regional Transit Authority buses for free on its seven fixed bus routes. The program was developed to ensure safe, reliable access to transportation for people most affected by transit-related challenges. CCRTA Administrator Thomas Cahir said eligible participants can access the free fare services using their current Charlie card. However, the CCRTA is developing a new Go card, which users will need to get in the coming months. No date has been set for the transition to the new cards, but registration will take place at various town offices across Cape Cod, with the CCRTA partnering with the Councils on Aging, Senior Centers, and Centers for Active Living across the region. Charlie cards are free and can be obtained at the Hyannis Transportation Center or from a bus driver. Routes that qualify for the free fare services include the H2O Hyannis to Orleans route and the Provincetown Shuttle. 
The free fares program is among several changes the CCRTA will implement in the coming months, including expanding some bus route hours to include nights and weekends. For more information about Cape Cod Regional Transit Authority transportation options and bus routes, you can visit capecodrta.org. For Outer Cape News, this is Beth Dunn. Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey last Friday signed legislation creating a year-round liquor license for Pate's Restaurant in Chatham, but it remains uncertain exactly when the popular establishment will be able to reopen. Pate's will have to apply for the license, and a hearing must be held by the select board. Because the special legislation filed by the town to create the additional year-round license specifically for Pate's was rewritten by the legislature, It's unclear whether Pates needs to apply for a new license or simply request a change in their existing license from seasonal to annual. Co-owner James Peterson said converting the existing seasonal license to an annual one would be the simplest path. Peterson said it'll take about two weeks to ramp up the restaurant's operations once the paperwork is in place. Pates closed nearly three weeks ago as required by its current seasonal liquor license, which runs from April 1st to January 15th with a special extension. The restaurant has long sought a year-round license, but the town's allotment based on the census was all taken. The restaurant's owners collected signatures to place a petition article on the May annual town meeting warrant to file special legislation seeking to create a new year-round license specifically for the restaurant at 1260 Main Street in Chatham. The measure passed 228-62 to 62 at town meeting. The Joint Committee on Consumer Protection and Professional Licensure in September redrafted the bill to convert one of the town's seasonal all-alcohol licenses to year-round and it was that bill which passed both the House and Senate two weeks ago and was signed by the governor last week. Even with ABCC guidance, a public hearing will take at least two weeks, and the license must then be sent to the state agency as well as the Department of Revenue for review and final determination. Pates employs about 35 to 40 full- and part-time workers, Peterson thanked town officials, Representative Sarah Peake, and Senator Julian Sear for helping usher the bill through the legislative process. And continuing with the theme of the upcoming town election season, nomination papers for May's annual town election in Orleans recently became available, and one incumbent wasted no time in pulling papers for re-election. Kevin Galligan told the Cape Cod Chronicle that he will seek a third term on the Orleans Select Board. First elected to the board in 2018, Galligan said he was motivated to run again after attending the annual meeting of the Massachusetts Municipal Association earlier this month. He said that in conversations with state officials and those in other municipalities, it became clear that Orleans was doing really good things and... The name of Orleans carries a measure of respect. 
In addition to serving on the select board, Galligan also serves as the board's representative to the Community Preservation Committee. He also chairs the Wastewater Management Advisory Committee, which works to plan and coordinate the town's ongoing and future sewer work. Galligan said he wants to continue to help steer the town through sewering and other projects during a time of transition for the town. Town manager Kim Newman took over as Orleans' top-ranking official in July, becoming the town's first new manager in over 25 years. Since then, the town has also hired a new assistant town planner, recreation director, building inspector, and assistant town manager. The town is also awaiting the arrival of new public works director Rich Waldo and is in the process of hiring for a new finance director. The select board is just one of several boards and committees in Orleans with seats up for grabs in May. There are two three-year terms available, each on the Board of Health, Orleans Elementary School Committee, and the Snow Library Board of Trustees. Papers can also be pulled for a three-year term on the Nauset Regional School Committee and a five-year term on the Orleans Housing Authority. Candidates must obtain certified signatures from at least 40 registered voters in Orleans. The last day to take out nomination papers is March 29th, and the last day to return signed papers is April 2nd. So far, Galligan is the only candidate to take out papers for the three-year select board term. The town of Brewster continues to develop plans for the relatively newly acquired Cape Cod Sea Camps property. The select board and two planning committees met jointly on Tuesday, January 23rd to review recommendations and make final decisions on the community center and housing plans for the property. The community center is in the works at the Sea Camps Bay property, while affordable housing is slated for the 66-acre pond property. Roads, trails, parking, nature centers, seasonal housing, and offices are all set to be phased in according to the plans drawn up by Brewster's consultants at Reed Hildebrand. Citizens will get one last chance to weigh in on February 15th during the fourth and final virtual forum on the two Sea Camps properties before the plans go before town meeting in May. The forum will include more financial and funding details, beginning with a 90-minute presentation. Phase 1 of the work is scheduled to begin in 2025 and will involve funding approvals and permitting, a feasibility study for the community center, and building demolitions. Plans for the first phase of work also include the construction of trails and a fitness loop, along with renovating the outdoor pavilion and renovating some buildings for seasonal housing. Phase 2 would begin in 2027 and include more building demolition, designing a community center, and adding parking and tennis courts. As outlined, plans culminate in a fifth two-year phase of development with the construction of a community center by 2035. Less work is scheduled for the pond property, where 10 acres would be set aside for affordable housing and a wastewater treatment facility. 
the remaining 56 acres would be reserved for conservation and recreation. Mass Audubon would construct a small nature center and run programs at the pond, and walking trails would be built. According to plans presented by the consultant, the wastewater plant and approximately 40 units of affordable housing would be built at the pond property beginning in 2029. The Pond Property Planning Committee voted 7-3 to three to support housing on the land, and the select board was in favor unanimously. Presented with options to accommodate the uses for a community center on the Bay property by renovating existing buildings in a campus design or constructing a new building, the Select Board and Bay Property Planning Committee voted unanimously for the new construction over the campus approach. The committee and Select Board reserved 10 acres for municipal use or possible future housing on the Bay property. With housing on the horizon at the Cape Cod Sea Camps property, Brewster is taking steps to solve the housing crisis with another innovative approach. Several years ago, Brewster officials bought an abandoned house on Yankee Drive and have since brought it back to life. That house is now for sale and will remain among the 372 units on the town's subsidized housing inventory. Assistant Town Manager Donna Kalanick said she's unaware of other Cape Towns purchasing and renovating houses needing repair to add to the affordable housing stock. If a similar situation presents itself again in the future, Housing Coordinator Jill Scalise said the town now has a roadmap to help lead the way. The original homeowner lived in the house for over 20 years and worked near Brewster. Eventually, that person had to move, leaving the house vacant sometime before the summer of 2017. Property taxes were not paid in 18 or 19, and the town recorded a tax-taking in 2019. A mass health lien was attached to the property, and the court assigned a guardian and a conservator to handle finances. The building commissioner toured the property and noted significant work was needed to bring it back to livable condition, but the house appeared to be okay structurally. Brewster became the owner in May of 2022 and then transferred the house to the Affordable Housing Trust. Mass Health forgave the lien, stipulating that the home remained subject to the affordable deed rider in perpetuity. Once the town owned the house, renovations began. The preservation, including payment of back taxes, insurance, legal and other fees, and work on the septic system, totaled approximately $380,000. A combination of funds from the Brewster Community Preservation Act, Affordable Housing Trust, and proceeds from the sale will be used to cover the cost. The cost to preserve the house is greater than the sale price, but still less than the per-unit cost to build new. The house is being sold for $237,000 through an affordable lottery. The deadline to apply is 5 p.m. today, but another three-bedroom affordable Brewster home on Sean Circle is available for $240,000. 
Household income must be at or below 80% of the area median income. The deadline to apply for the house on Sean's Circle is Monday, February 5th. You can visit haconcapecod.org for more information on how to apply. And finally today, Olga Spack, a whale scientist who has worked with the Center for Coastal Studies Right Whale Ecology Program and who helped document the similarly endangered bowhead whales in the Sea of Okutsk, is coming to Provincetown to talk about her new life, helping to supply soldiers on Ukraine's front lines. She left her conservation job in Moscow to help support Ukrainian soldiers in February of 2022 and now runs the nonprofit Assist Ukraine. When war broke out in Ukraine, Olga left behind her 25-year-long scientific career to provide critical supplies for the soldiers fighting on the front line and is now the director of Assist Ukraine. She will speak at the Provincetown Commons tomorrow, Saturday, February 3rd at 6 p.m. Olga, briefly in the U.S. and visiting Provincetown, will present her unique and very personal perspective on the war in Ukraine and her experiences in war-torn cities and with soldiers on the front lines. After Olga's talk, there will be an opportunity for questions. The event is free and open to the public, and you can find out more at provincetowncommons.org. For Outer Cape News, my name is Matthew Dunn. Some years ago, when the word Amazon still conjured up a tropical rainforest and Zoom was a kid's show on PBS, I had my first inkling of what it might feel like, right here in my own hometown, to be a stranger in a strange land. It was at a selectman's meeting in which former public officials were asked to reflect on where they thought the town was headed. One older gentleman in particular drew my attention because he seemed agitated from the moment he looked around the room. He had been a selectman, he said upon introductions, and he repeated it again, and then yet again, as if he needed to convince himself. He seemed to be perfectly intelligent. There were certainly no obvious hints of any cognitive decline. I just had the impression that he seemed lost, that on this particular night it had hit him, as it had never hit him before, that all the people in town hall, the police chief and the harbor master he had once hired, the town clerk and the DPW director, everyone he had once worked with, were all gone and replaced. He was indeed a stranger in a strange land. The phrase originates from the book of Exodus, but it's been used many times over in a famous science fiction novel, in songs by everyone from the birds to you two, from Barbara Streisand to Iron Maiden. Obviously, it means feeling unfamiliar and out of place. And lately, 
I've been feeling this way in a place I've lived for over 40 years. How about you? Have you attended a town meeting in the last few years and realized how many of the old regulars are no longer around? Not only the old perennial penny pinchers who could be counted on to stand up and contest half the line items in the budget, but the women who used to sit together in the front row and knit, they're gone. Have you attended a planning board or a zoning board meeting, now, of course, mostly held on Zoom, and noticed all the names of the people you don't know? Have you found yourself sitting through time-consuming public forums at which people demand justification for decisions that were made 20 years ago? I was at a meeting of the Herring River Restoration Project at which new homeowners acted as if this entire $70 million project had been concocted behind their backs while they were back in West Hartford last winter. Have you wondered about the town eccentrics? Every town has them. The very short old guy with two canes who walked to town every morning and waved to every passing car. The person with the outrageous face makeup and a tiny dog who sat on the town hall bench every morning. Where did they go? Do you scan the real estate section in the newspaper for houses that have sold? Are you totally gobsmacked by the prices? Do you have any clue who the new buyers are? And do you have friends who have recently passed, who were healthy and working and hanging out with you not long ago, and then one day you hear that they have cancer, and then you hear that they went off to the hospital, and then... You get a phone call and you suddenly find out they're gone. Because that's how it happens, I think. That's how a town changes. Not so much with the big multi-million dollar projects that draw everyone's attention, but incrementally, invisibly, with the sale of a house, the death of a friend, the retirement of a school principal. It happened for that old selectman who had to prove to everyone he had once been someone because nobody knew who he was. And it happens for all of us eventually. Our world disappears as we're busy paying attention to all the important little things until one day we realize we're strangers in a strange land. I'm Ira Wood, and that's my opinion. And that does it for this week's edition of Outer Cape News. Thanks go to the Provincetown Independent, the Cape Cod Chronicle, and the Cape Cod Times. Thanks also to Beth Dunn and Ira Wood for their contributions to the program. And thanks to Henry and Jane Fisher and Jacob Greenberg for being sustaining members of Outer Cape News. And now stay tuned for Friday Afternoon Jazz with Joel Shaw on listener-supported Outermost Community Radio, WOMR. Don't move your mama, don't